You're listening to the Kicking Out Podcast, a weekly pro wrestling podcast focused around All Elite Wrestling, hosted by Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman, two passionate All Elite Wrestling fans. If you like what you hear, please click subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. Enjoy the show. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Time for another episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Paul Zartman. How's it going tonight, Paul? Uh, been better, but uh, I'm here and uh, feeling better, so that that's a good thing. Hey, that's all we can do and hope for, right? Yep. We had a heck of a uh, AW Dynamite last night to cover, beach break, but uh, we got a few things to cover before we get into that. But uh, this could be an exciting episode. It's our third episode. We're still getting into the groove of everything. Hope everybody's been enjoying the podcast so far. If this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, please give us a subscribe. Give us a rating and review. That really helps us out. And uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. We really appreciate it. So, all right, Paul, are you ready to get educated on a few wrestling events that happened on this day? Let's do it. On this day in 1995, the human submission machine Taz, now he's part of AEW, of course, in Sabu, uh, defeated the public enemy to win the ECW tag titles at double tables. Huh. See, I I came in late to ECW, so I'm not too familiar with some of this stuff. It was before my time. I was too young to watch <laughs> ECW. I've, I've went back on the network and watched a little bit here and there, but I haven't really dove into it too much, so... Um, I'm familiar with some of the characters, but I haven't watched a ton of the matches. So, On this day, 1999, the lovely, beautiful Tori Wilson made her WCW debut on Thunder. Ah, uh, yes. She, she was one of the... No, she wasn't. I was thinking she was a Nitro girl for some reason. Nope, she nope. wasn't a Nitro girl. She was a talent. Um, was the on-screen character... Or, uh, on-screen girlfriend of Billy Kidman and the real-life girlfriend for a long time of Billy Kidman. Yeah. On the stage in 2003, a guy named John Cena defeated another guy named Daniel Bryan on Velocity. Well, uh, he would have still been the Doctor of Thugonomics at that point, wouldn't he have been? Wasn't even there yet. He oh. Was still in his trunks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ruthless aggression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where the veins, like, popped out of his whole body at that point when he yep. said it. Yeah, but what a... What a what a talented match or a match of two talented yeah. uh, superstars. And it was on velocity looking back on it. Pretty, pretty crazy. Also on this day in 2003, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin defeated Los Guerreros to win the SmackDown tag titles. Team Angle. Team Angle. And they held the titles at least for a period of time at the same time as Kurt Angle had the WWE championship. So yes, they had a bunch of gold at least for a little while. Mm-hmm. On this day in 2005, William Regal and Tajiri defeated La Resistance to win the Raw Tag titles. <laughs> La Resistance, oh man. Renee Dupree, Rob Conway, <laughs> and I don't recall the third one's name. 
no, I don't either. But the first yeah. two, I mean, they were just priceless. Oh yeah, and 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 I remember that team of uh, Tajiri and Regal. It was two. Uh, I mean, talk about opposites attract, but they were a fun little tag team. Yes, they were. I enjoyed watching them every single week when they would perform. Don't have teams like that anymore. Nope. Also on this day in 2005, Triple H retained his World Heavyweight title against Edge. And now Edge is going after a title once again. He is. And let's let's, let's talk about that real quick. Um, did you watch the Royal Rumble on Sunday? I did not. I followed it on Twitter and um, some live updates as they were coming in. I did watch. I still subscribe to the network and I'm going to continue to subscribe to the network, even though I'm not a huge WWE fan. I like it for the documentaries. Uh, I like it to go back and watch old uh, attitude era episodes, old nitros, things like that, old pay-per-views. So I watched it. Um, it was all right. Actually, I thought the rumble was a little better than I anticipated. I wouldn't, I wasn't expecting much without crowds, but uh, the edge edge story is pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, not uh, too many have come in at number one and won it to have him do that. That's great. And from what I read, he pulled his typical edge where he was thrown out through the middle rope and then hung outside for a while and came back in and like, oh, look, I was never gone. It was just such a they told such a good story. It was the old veteran. And yes. you know, he was in there for, I mean, forever. Like you said, he came in at number one. I mean, it was it was impressive. Um, but uh I, I was glad they had him win instead of Rollins. When Rollins came back in, I was like, oh, great. They're going to do this, aren't they? But nope. So, yep. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to take on Roman Reigns, but but we'll see. And on this day in 2013, one of your favorite superstars, Paul CM Punk, defeated Chris Jericho on Raw. This might have been, I remember this match. It might have been my favorite match they had of their entire little rivalry. Yeah. Um, those two, when they would lock up with each other, I mean, start to finish, it was just always a good match. They both had the skill that they needed to put on a good match. They knew how to work with each other and they had great chemistry together. Absolutely. They sure did. And then on, last but not least on this day in 2014, Randall Keith Orton, Randy Orton defeated Christian in a non-title match on SmackDown. And he used the uh, RKO, I'm sure, I'm, which is where he got it from based off of his initials. Yep, I'm guessing he did too. It's still one of my favorite moves in all professional wrestling. I've always been a big Randy Orton fan ever since he was in Evolution. Um, and yep. Kurt, speaking of Christian, he made his uh, return to in-ring action during the run Royal Rumble after being away from the ring for seven years. Yeah, I was excited to see him back. Uh, Edge and Christian were always one of my favorite tag teams. Um Beyond, you know, Team Extreme, Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys. Uh, to me, Edge and Christian are probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time from WWE. Um, I won't incorporate the early WWF stuff, but from WWE, I would definitely lead towards Edge and Christian. They were just so unique in everything they did. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's a good point. I mean, you got them, you got the Hardys. The Dudleys, even even though they made a presence in ECW, they were getting to WWE as well. Mm -hmm. um, got the New Age Outlaws, um, I guess, if we're going to go a little back into WWF. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a lot of good tag teams back then in that era. So, uh, um, but it was it was neat to see him return and his embrace with Edge and that hug. That was a that was a good emotional moment. That was really cool to see 
two best friends in real life who two years ago, they both thought they were done for the rest of their careers getting to wrestle in the same ring together again and embrace. And we'll see what it means for Christian. We'll see if this was just a one and done or if he's got one more match or a couple matches left in him. We'll see. I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, in a couple more matches going forward. I, I would love to see him at Mania this year. Give, give, give him a, his uh, Mania moment. Yeah, I don't think he's had his yet. Nope. And then induct him into the Hall of Fame. Come on, Vince. What are you doing? Yeah, he should have been in already. That's uh, <laughs> a little ridiculous. He's not. But Vinny Mac, you never know with that guy. So, yep. But let's get into talking some AEW. Let's get into recapping this week's Being the Elite episode, which is episode 241, titled The Betrayal is Real. So we, we start off with the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers. They're talking about last week's match on Dynamite. Matt and, and Nick were joking about Gallows not being able to swing his title between his legs or pretend to be smoking weed. Um, this is something I didn't know about till till we saw right. it on Monday, and they noticed how the they they mentioned how the match had to be heavily edited, and it was showing. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was some hilarious. of the yeah, some of the stuff that was edited out, and it was just, I mean, true Good Brothers fashion, but can't do that on TNT. Can't do on TNT. Might might be able to get away with it on Axis and on Twitch for yeah. Impact, but not uh, TNT. But uh, and these guys are hooligans. But uh, Nick says this feels like 2013 again. It's not a 2021 bullet club because we know it sucks. He says he looks right at the camera and he says, this isn't a storyline. We're not working with them. A reference to the new Japan pro wrestling bullet club. Uh, the young bucks say they don't have any issues with the good brothers, but they still don't like Don Callis, AKA uncle creepy. Yeah. And they made reference to uh, them being the highest paid wrestlers on impact. So, that was interesting to see. Yeah, and we're going to talk, of course, uh, more in detail about the Bullet Club here a little bit later. But interesting, they were taking some shots at Tama Tonga and even even uh, I don't know if Jay White Jay White might have made those comments after Monday that he made. So, um, but taking some shots at the original Bullet Club because there's some Twitter beef going on big time between some of those guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. Then we see Stu Grayson. He sees uh, Anna Jay and Tay Conte walking. He says, hey to Anna, and she shoves him over the railing. Uh, Tay Conte asks uh, Anna if she likes him. She says, are you serious? Jay responds as the two head off. Yeah, um, she never she never truly answered the question, though. So um, I got to say, I think there might be a future storyline between Stu and Anna. I'm for it, honestly. Yeah, it reminded me of like you got the elementary school crush or whatever and, and, and yeah. the girl beating up the guy and then he goes home and whines his parents. His parents are like, oh, she just likes you. That's how she's showing it, you know. And so I'm thinking next maybe we get a – uh, a handwritten note from Anna Jay saying <laughs> check yes or no or something and hands it to Stu. We'll see what happens there. But uh good stuff. Yeah, I uh I think it might be Stu passing the note, not Anna, but we'll Could see. Be. Yeah. I I hope they go in that direction. I want to see some more <laughs> of it. So then we see Brandon Cutler talking to Luchasaurus about their match from last week on Dark, noting uh how much he got destroyed by Luchasaurus. He offers up a peace tree uh, showing off his Dungeons and Dinosaurs t-shirt. Cutler also apologizes for calling Luchasaurus the F word, which stands for fossil in this in this sequence. Luchasaurus yep. accepts and says Cutler maybe needs to learn about some history and um and have a little training. And then we see Cutler and Luchasaurus driving around 
the parking lot looking at mechanical dinosaurs. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting segment uh, just to see the, the dinosaurs. And it's kind of wasn't needed to tell the story, but it fit perfectly. It fits those two to a T. You're right. So we didn't see the Dark Order having their slumber party. Uh, <laughs> five and Anna Jay show up and Silver says, no girls allowed. And they kick five out and they bring Anna in. Cracked me up right then. Yes. Uh, the group goes into their, their makeshift tent to tell stories. Anna eventually leaves after after Silver is just, Anna, 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 Anna. Reminds me of Stewie off uh, <laughs> Family Guy. when he's Yes, the mom. whole mom segment. Yep. Yeah. And then so she leaves the tent. She sees Hangman in the room. She asks what he's doing here. She sees that he has a bottle in his hand. She said, oh, of course. She's, she tells Paige he broke the guy's hearts by leading them on, and he needs to go so the group can mo- move up, move on. She uh, tells Paige to take his alcohol and get the F out. Uh, five, then you see him on top of the tent. He's listening in on the party from the couch. Couch is kind of on top of the yeah. tent there. He sees what happens. Anna says, you saw nothing, and if you say anything, uh, you'll be treated like stew. Yeah, which uh, then makes you question the segment from earlier about, okay, maybe she just truly doesn't like stew at all. Yeah, but uh, I, I love the way they treat five. just cracks me up. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, in the in the dark order, I should say, uh, we're yelling at five because they could hear five talking. So they were telling yeah. me to shut up. Yeah, and I I really like the tail end of um, Colt Cabana's little story there. I'm not sure what it was, but it definitely sounded terrifying. Colt Colt being Colt, and uh, I also was laughing because Reynolds was so close from cracking <laughs> when Silver was yelling at Anna. It was he was smirking. I don't know how those guys can keep it together like they do. I don't know. I give Anna props. She did crack a little bit, but mm-hmm. not terrible, and they were able to play it off. Then we get uh, Big Money Matt Hardy talking with Private Party about how he fired Brandon Cutler up about facing Luchasaurus, and then he bet money against Cutler, and he made big bucks since Cutler lost. Hardy looks at the camera and says, this idiot behind the camera, which Cutler then raises up his middle finger. Private party then go uh, go to rile up the Good Brothers. They find Gallows sleeping. They ring a bell, and Gallows goes back to his fastest <laughs> days and loses his mind for a little bit. Uh, he doesn't appreciate Private Party making fun of his terrible gimmick. The duo then leave the room. Hardy's out in the hallway and is happy to hear they got in the Good Brothers' head before their upcoming Impact World Tag Team title match, which is next Saturday at No Surrender. Yeah, you know it was uh, it was nice to see a reference to an older character that Luke Gallus did. And of course my favorite part of that segment was it's Festus with a PH in case Vince still owns the rights to the name. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just throwing got, that in there made got, it perfect. Got to throw that in there. So I don't get in trouble. Yep. We think in a short clip of um, Nyla Rose on the phone with Vicky Guerrero talking about getting donations and maybe having too much money. She tells Vicky to meet her in a secret place to talk more. This is a BT uh, BT bit that I'm just, I'm not a fan of. No, I can't figure out where they're going with it. I thought they were going somewhere big and then they missed a couple weeks with it. Um, and then to bring it back again, it's just kind of like, you know, what's going on? What are we doing with this? Is this going to lead to something in the ring on AEW or what's going on? Yeah. We haven't seen Nyla on dynamite for a long, long time. So yeah, or at least it feels like it. Right. Then we get a quick clip of uh, Griff Garrison working on a dance routine. That was pretty funny. 
Yeah, I'm uh, not sure exactly what that was all about, but it was interesting to well, see. Well, if you watch Sammy Guevara's vlog, he and Silver and um, one of the other guys who's like a security guard, they're, they've been doing a lot of dancing. And, and, and not Silver, Five, excuse me. And Five's been trying to get a boy band established. So, Except the security guard has some uh, very interesting lyrics that can't be used. Yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. but uh, uh, I can't either. But uh, Charlie, yeah. Charlie. Oh, okay. Charlie, but I forget his last name. But yeah, he does have some interesting lyrics. We'll leave it at that. You can go check out Sammy's vlog, which I recommend you doing. It's a fantastic vlog, and, and you can see what we're talking about. But speaking of Sammy Guevara, he, he took on the BT champion John Silver this week in a field goal kicking contest, and Sammy Guevara got the win. And so he is now the new BT yep. champion. He deserves it. And, you know, I, I think I've brought this up before. I love the BTE title segments because there's no way to guarantee a winner. There's no way to pick a winner. I mean, these guys are just truly, when they start filming it, they don't know who's going to be the champion. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I like how it's changing hands every few weeks. Yeah. Um, Johnny Hungy held it the longest, but, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see – Sammy claims it's going to Tuesday nights. It's staying on Tuesday nights. So we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. And uh, it was fun. I, I was surprised Sammy won because his first two field goal attempts were terrible. And then um, Fuego del Sol was teaching him how to kick the football properly. And after that, he made back to back. Yeah. Um, although from watching BTE and road twos in the past, Sammy can kick a good field goal. So mm -hmm. I wonder if he was just trying to botch it. Yeah, he's pretty athletic. I mean, he's yeah. he's more athletic than Silver, but um, but it was fun. It was, it was fun seeing those two guys battle it, and we'll see uh, what kind of competition Sammy picks to defend it, and and who who's the number one contender. So, last night we had AEW Dynamite Beach Break. It's been the hyped up AEW Dynamite episode for ever since twenty twenty one kicked off. They've been advertising and promoting this event. And we started the night off with the big tag team battle royal, which, of course, uh, whoever won was going to go on to be named the number one contenders to take on the Young Bucks for the AEW tag team titles at Revolution, which is on Sunday, March 7th. It's not on a Saturday. It's on a I Sunday. Know. I, I know. don't like that, but it is yeah. what it is. I, I like the fact that it was on Saturdays, but, hey, you know, I understand why they're doing it, but. Yep, it's still. Yeah, just disappointing. I like I like the Saturdays. It's different. Saturday pay per views are different, but I think they'll get back to that with double or double or nothing going forward. So yeah, uh, a lot of action in this in this um, match. A lot of storylines that are going to be moving forward due to outcomes from this match. But towards the end of the match, um, a decent amount amount of guys are still left. We see John Silver get tossed, and the crowd booed that elimination. Then Nick Jackson hit a splash on a couple guys. Then he landed furious strikes, eventually eliminated Ortiz. Then he super kicked Santana out. The Good Brothers then show up at ringside and pull the ropes down to eliminate Isaiah Cass Cassidy when he was trying to run the ropes. Then that causes a brawl between Private Party and the Good Brothers. Nick yells at them for some reason for doing that. Then we see MJF toss Nick out and taunts him a bit, including MJF and Jericho doing the Young Bucks taunt. Because um, I believe MJF's who knocked Matt out early in the match. You know, I did not catch Matt's elimination, so I, I can't 
confirm or deny so that. He got backdropped up over the ropes onto the stage. So I, I think it was MJF. I'm pretty sure. But anyways, it's it came down to the it was the inner circle of MJF, Sammy, and Jericho at the time. Jungle Boy, uh, Darius Martin of Tom F- Top Flight, and Max Caster of the Acclaimed. MJF sent Jungle Boy out to the floor. Uh, Caster holds MGF for Sammy to go to try to kick MGF. MGF ducks. Sammy ends up kicking Caster. MGF Jen charges Caster and gets dumped out. Sammy claps for that. Uh, then uh, Martin then sends Caster out to the floor. So it's down to Jericho, Sammy, Darius Martin. They're the last three standing. Martin has both with a double DDT. He goes after Sammy, tosses him. Sammy hangs on to Martin. Jericho shoves them, and Sammy ends up getting eliminated, which Jericho didn't, didn't, or he's acting like he couldn't see what he was doing when he did it. Uh, Martin's then on the apron, tries to go for a springboard, and ends up eating a Judas effect, flipping down onto the floor. Your winners and number one contenders for the tag team titles, the face of Young Bucks at AEW Revolution, MJF, Chris Jericho. And, you know, this, uh, the last few minutes of the match really few fueled the feud that I think is going to start between Sammy and the inner circle. I think it's going to start with MJF and then it's just going to work its way through everybody. And eventually I think we're going to see Sammy leave in the inner circle. Well, we saw Sammy kind of act childish and just pout off, yeah. pout and go, go through the, uh, go through the heel tunnel. And he didn't even make eye contact with any, anybody from the inner circle or anything. So uh, more to come on that in a little bit of the recap. Yep. We then get a video package uh, that was shown for Jade Cargill of working out in the gym. Fantastic video package. That's how you build her. Just use scenes of her working out, showing off her chiseled body. That's how you hype her up for this match. Yeah, I mean, she is um, extremely built. She's in extremely good shape. So having her do something little or, you know, doing quick squash matches, that's not going to build her. This video package style stuff is what's going to build her. You know, this showing, look, I'm at the gym every day. Here's what I can bench. Here's what I can lift. You know, that that's what's going to make people want to see Jade in action. Yep, sure is. And we are going to get the match between Jade Cargill and Shaquille Neal versus the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and Red Velvet on the Dynamite episode Wednesday, March 3rd. Not Revolution like we were all speculating. Yeah, I know. I'm uh I'm a little disappointed in that, and I hope it leads to something between Jade and Red Velvet at Revolution. Um, but there again, I'd leave Cody off the card. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if he, if, if they have something for him uh, for Revolution. If not, that's two of the last three pay-per-views he's missed for yep. AEW. Um, which I kind of, I don't like him missing pay-per-views, but like this week we didn't see him on Dynamite. I kind of like that, so he's not used every week, so it kind of makes it feel like a bigger deal. Yes. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, that, that dynamite on the third is going to get pop a huge rating. Oh, guarantee yeah. a huge. So, but like we've kind of mentioned on previous episodes, I'm ready for this feud and storyline to be over because it has not gone as planned at all. So no, no, there's really been the only build that's really been has been between Jade and red velvet. Yep. Yep, and then it was supposed to be Brandy, so it yep. just has not gone according to plan, but uh, nope. hopefully has a nice payoff. Pay um, t- speaking of a guy I think they should maybe not have on TV every week, but they <laughs> are, uh, 
Tony Schiavone's in the ring where he introduces the AEW TNT champion Darby Allen and Steen. And uh, Tony announces that Allen is defending his title next week against Joey Janela. That came out of the blue, like all of Joey Janela's matches seem to. Um, Then then we see Team Taz show up on the the Jumbotron. Taz says they are stuck outside tonight because they took out some staffers. But next week, they'll be watching closely. Then Ricky Starks takes the mics, talking some trash about their upcoming street fight. Then we go back to the ring, and uh, Steen takes the mic. Says he'll be around next week as well to make sure it's a one-on-one match. He tells Ricky that when he looks into Steen's eyes, he does see the same. Oh, Ricky said he doesn't see the same man anymore when he looks into Steen's eyes. Steen says maybe he should take a closer look. And we see both wrestlers head to the back. I understand why they're using Steen every week for the build-up for the street fight. After right. after Revolution's over, I hope we kind of get a break for Steen just for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been nice as a fan of Sting since day one. Uh, it's been nice to see him every week, um, but it's losing its nostalgia feeling because he's there every week. I mean, I know he loves being on TNT. It feels more like home than it ever did when he was part of WWE. Uh, kind of makes him feel like he's back in the WCW days, but I mean... Even back in WCW, he wasn't used every single week. So this is just, in my opinion, just like you said, overusing Sting. Yeah, and it's 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 it, every week. It's almost like the same thing. Even though last week's uh, warehouse promo, you know, the hoodlums promos, I'm always going to refer it to. That was a little different. But every other week, is they come to the ring, they say pretty much the same stuff. It's just it's getting kind of stale for me. But hopefully, with Darby defending against Joey next week and then getting closer to the street fight. Hopefully we get start getting some more fresh, fresh stuff from these guys. Yeah. And you know, I'm hoping somehow at the street fight, they do something not, you know, to completely write sting off, but make it so he's not needed every single week. Yeah. I, I honestly, and I know we'll make our predictions the Thursday before um, revolution, but I can't see a scenario where they have Steen and Darby lose. No, neither can I. I mean, it just it wouldn't work out in uh, Darby's favor, if nothing else. I mean, he's yep. managed to beat uh, Brian Cage. He's managed to beat uh, Ricky Starks. So having him lose in a tag team, it just wouldn't be beneficial for Darby. Yep, absolutely. We then uh, go to our next match. And I know, Paul, I was texting you this. This threw me off because this was at the 830 Mark, not the 9.30 Eastern time, Mark. <laughs> and that was the highly anticipated matchup of Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Really good match, heavy hitting match, very physical, especially at the beginning when Thunder Rosa was give, giving it to Britt Baker. Um, back and forth towards the end of the match, Britt Baker's looking for the lockjaw. There's multiple counters going back and forth until Thunder Rosa hits a back suplex. Thunder Rosa then hits a Death Valley driver for a two count. Then we see um, Reba get in the ring and rip off the second turnbuckle pad without the referee seeing her. So referee's got her, got his back turned. Uh, Rosa kicks Reba out of the ring. Both women are backed into the corner. Rosa charges. Baker sends her face first into the exposed turnbuckle, knocking her out cold. Baker then applies the knock jaw, lock jaw. Uh, the referee immediately calls for the bell and commentary noted that Rosa didn't give up, but she was knocked out. Winner, Britt Baker, like I predicted last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this was uh, 
from start to finish a great match. I was surprised uh, Thunder Rosa out there in a little bit different gear than she's normally wearing. That was kind of interesting to see. Um, but, I mean, it was the only way it could have truly finished without Thunder Rosa winning. Yes. Um, this way, she still looks strong. Uh, she didn't officially lose to Britt Baker because uh, commentary even mentioned that you know she was knocked out. I think the ref realized that, and that's why he called for it before the lockjaw was even fully locked in. Yep, I thought it was a fantastic match. Like you said, it ended just how it should. You know, Thunder Rosa still looks strong, and she's one of the best in-ring competitors for females in all of professional wrestling. Britt Baker's improving more and more every time she steps in the ring, and she's one of the best characters there is when it comes to females in professional wrestling. So, fantastic match. It was one of my favorite matches of uh, female matches they've had in AEW. Yeah, and you know, there was a little bit of concern, and we were even texting about this in commentary mentioned it as well, where at one point it looked like she injured her wrist, um, Britt Baker that is, and I'm interested to see where that goes from here, if there was truly an injury, or if you know she just sprained it and she'll be fine come next week, because it seems every time Britt Baker starts to build momentum, she gets injured. Yep. She's had luck has not been on her side. No, for sure. Except her, her broken nose got her a best selling t shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. So, yeah, yeah, that and worked out for Got us a lot of interesting storylines with her and Tony Schiavone. Yep, that's true. That's very true. Uh, then we uh, see a pro, uh, backstage segment that they said occurred last week, even though it wasn't on TV. That was Matt Hardy telling uh, Tony that he and Hangman Page are just two Carolina boys hanging out and hoping they can more often. Uh, Hangman then tells Hardy he isn't looking to be in a new tag team or sign one of his corny contracts. He's just in the dressing room to get dressed, and that's it. Hardy Hardy gets it and was just thinking Page might want to get a match under their belt and uh, wouldn't mind being his partner for the one match. Page agrees to take on the Chaos Project. Yeah, um, interesting segment. Uh, I'm, I'm still interested to see what Dark Order's got to say about it. You know, they've kind of had their eye on Hangman since Brody Lee brought it to their attention. Um, they never seem to take their eye off of him now, and for him to tag with Matt Hardy, I think is going to be uh, interesting to see what comes of it. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see where the storyline goes for sure. Um, this match, there wasn't a ton to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Towards the end, Luther went for a cannonball, sent on off the apron. Page moves. Then he kind of gave uh, the camera a Jim Halpert look, kind of kind of off the office, one of those looks, which I cracked up. Uh, then Page hit a buckshot lariat. Hardy tagged himself in for the cover one, two, three. Page didn't really appreciate that move, but the winners yeah. were – Hayman and Matt Hardy after the match. Matt's trying to get Hayman to help raise his arm. Matt Hayman's a little hesitant, but he agrees to do so. Yeah, um, I wasn't too impressed with this match. I mean, I'm just I'm not a big fan of Chaos Project, especially no. Luther. Yep. Um, yep. And you know, Matt Hardy pulling the same thing he did with Private Party, which is what got Private Party to sign with him. So I'm really interested to see how this goes from here. Uh, you know, because he said, well, look, if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have won, even though all he did was tag himself in and pin. So I'm interested to see if he kind of pulls the same thing on Hangman or not. I still think he ends up in the dark order. Um, I would love for it to be like negative one approaches him and says, you are the leader until I can come in this company in 10 years 
hold my spot or something along those lines to where Hayman feels like he can't let negative one down and he has to accept for negative one. Then, then Hayman's the new leader of the Dark Order. I think it'd be great for him and the group. Yeah, you know, we talked about it almost every time Hangman's in the ring. Whether he's got a championship or not, he is great to watch uh, from start to finish. I mean, the man's got a great physique. He's in great physical condition, and he can just go out there and deliver a great match from start to finish, and he never lets you down. Yep, I think he's um... – and we were talking last night, you said he doesn't need a title. And I agree, he doesn't need a title to be a star. But if you put that title on his waist, like my prediction is for the end of 2021, I think he becomes the face of the company. Yeah, I definitely think he will. Um, I think you'll start to get more people to maybe come over to AEW if he does get a title, uh, just because of the fact that it's Hangman Adam Page. And we will see where it goes. Definitely an intriguing storyline among many in AEW. Uh, we then get an announcement about the uh, Women's World Champ- Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament going on in February. Um, it's a 16-woman tournament. It's going to take place in the U.S. and in Japan. And I read today the Japan matches are going to be take place with no fans. So it's just going to be, you know, two gals uh, fighting in the ring. I assume these will be on YouTube. But I haven't read or heard it for certain if it's going to be on YouTube. Because that I think that would take up too much time on Dynamite every week. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, you know these women from uh, TJPW. There we go. Couldn't think of it for a second. They're extremely talented. They're used to having longer than five-minute matches. So, I mean, to chisel out enough time on Dynamite, for this, it's either going to have to end up on dark or be on some somehow on YouTube by itself. Well, this might be one of the funnier segments we're ever going to do, but here's my attempt to pronounce <laughs> all the women in this tournament on the Japanese side of the bracket. You got uh, Aja Kong, who she we've seen her in AEW before, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, uh, <laughs> Vinny or Vinay, I think is how you pronounce that one, Emmy. Sakura, uh, Rio Mizumani, uh, Mia Suragua, uh, Rin <laughs> Kataokura, and uh, Mike Otua, I think is how you pronounce that one, which I have heard of her. And Twitter was blowing up about her being in the yes, tournament. It was. If you go check out her tweet, she says, Hey, mother effers. Hashtag AEW. That was her tweet about the tournament last night. So Cody Rhodes retweeted today. says, this might pick the win. So <laughs> she's getting yeah. the rub already. So, And I, I was really interested to see that they put Riho on the American side, being that she's been over in Japan, and that's why we haven't seen her on AEW. I don't know how they got her back, to be honest. I don't either. Because none of these other women can, and and but they have, have already been promoting the Riho – and in NWA Women's Champion Serena Deeb match, which those are two of the competitors on the American side, along with Britt Baker, Ty Conte, Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, Anna Jay, and Layla Hirsch. Yeah, um, I was a little disappointed there wasn't a Chris Statlander in the setup, but uh, it also tells me that this tournament's going to start before she's 100% ready to get back in the ring. Yep. Um, they even mentioned all February long. So I'm hoping we start seeing that 
on dark this coming week. Britt Baker's got to win this, doesn't she? I think she's got to, at least from the American side. Um, and then maybe somehow she'll feel if she doesn't win the tournament overall, if she wins it from the American side, she can say, you know, she was cheated because she had no clue who her opponent was. And then they'll feel sorry and give her a title shot down the road. I, I hope she wins it because, uh, and I think she has been a fine champion, but I think if I think it's Brit, finally Brit's time to to win that belt. Cause I, I think whoever wins this tournament is going to take the belt off Cheetah. I think they have to. I mean, it's it's time. Um, I'm a huge Cheetah fan, but it's definitely time to pass the torch for a while. Well, it's interesting how we don't see her every week on Dynamite. No, we started out seeing her every week. Uh, even if she was just in the crowd. And then after her uh, most recent title defense, she's just been kind of hit and miss. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to figure out. So, yeah. Then we get a backstage segment. Alex Marvez is talking with Chris Jericho and MJF. They say they're going to be the future world champs. MJF and, uh, and Jericho have some bubbly, little case of the bubbly, <laughs> to celebrate with the rest of the inner circle. They walk in the room. The other guys are quite, aren't quite as thrilled. Sammy especially. Uh, Sammy's wondering why they're always collateral damage, Jericho's words, about what happened. Uh, Sammy wondered why, or yeah, he, he wonders why they're always collateral damage because Jericho was saying uh, he was talking about collateral damage. And then Sammy kind of shakes his head, walks out of the room. Jericho follows him. Then it gets really interesting because MGF peeks around the corner to make sure Jericho's gone and says, boys, I think it's time we have a conversation. Then he asks Wardlow to get rid of the cameraman. Yeah, that was a interesting segment. Uh, definitely goes back to the uh, Sammy acting childish as he walks away from the uh, tag team battle royal. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued. I mean, they're playing all the seeds. I mean, Jericho's got to leave for Fozzie sooner or later, and I think it'll all happen while he's gone. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to think. I think. Sammy's the first to go, and then maybe Jericho, or maybe MGF, he takes over the group, and uh, and, and the sex gods kind of get kicked out and become baby faces. Yeah, I'm ready to see Sammy as a baby face. I mean, oh, he me started too. as a baby face. He got a big pop, even though he was still pretty much an indie guy, but apart from his vlog and the followers there. Um, but I'm interested to see Sammy as a baby face again with a title. Yep. Yep, it's. Uh, I think it's the best storyline AEW's got going right now. Absolutely. Yep. Then we get the wedding between Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. My notes, Paul, I put blah. Yeah. Yeah. It. Wrestling weddings just never, never been a thing for me. Me neither. But they I, always pop big ratings. I don't get it. Yes. I mean this one. This one was probably the best one only because of the fact that it was a legitimate wedding. Uh They were truly getting married there versus just a storyline. Because, you know, every other wedding's always been some portion of a bigger storyline. Miro referenced, you know, he's been through a few of these. And, yeah, his wife was marrying Bobby Lashley with everybody coming out interrupting it. So he didn't want to have that question asked. Um, he knew that there was somebody in the present from Charles, which turned out there wasn't, but that was great. That 
afterwards was probably my favorite portion of it. I, I did have t- two portions I liked. I liked Sinister Minister James Mitchell. I popped mm-hmm. for that for, you know, TNA days. He was in ECW. I, I knew him as a business manager in TNA, so I popped for that. And then I popped when uh, Miro said, um, what is love? And the crowd said, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Yeah. No more. And Miro goes, I like that song. And so he goes along with it a little bit. I'm like that. See, that's something in WWE. They wouldn't know what to do because it's all scripted promos. Exactly. He would not have been able to acknowledge it. Um, He might have stopped, let them sing, but he would never have acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. And then I got to say, I got to give it to Penelope. She took a face full of cake and she didn't overreact and fling the whole cake all over the Mm -hmm. ring. It was just a proper here's my face into the cake. I'm done now. Yep. We did get some action. Uh, saw uh, Chuck Taylor getting beat up a little bit yep. and then saw orange Cassie come out of the cake, which I, I think we both predicted was going to happen. <laughs> yep. Then he hit the, um, uh, what is that move called? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head on Charles. It's, uh, <sighs> isn't it something with beach in it? I I'm not 100% sure, honestly. It's, well, uh, not the orange punch, of course. I can't remember what it is. Right. But uh, but so th- this is not over. I was hoping it would be, especially when Sabian went to hit Charles and Charles ducked and he hit Miro. I was hoping Miro would attack him because yeah. I, am, I am ready for this storyline to be over and Miro to be the power, power of force he should be. Oh, absolutely. Um, I really felt that uh, it was coming if it – or it will be coming soon, let's put it that way. Yep. Because even Miro said, you know, my power is your present, my presence is your present, my anger, you know, these type of things and mm-hmm. and then the look. And I don't think Miro's is gonna forgive it. Yep. I uh I think we get a tag match or a match between Miro and Orange Cassidy Revolution and then then we can move away from this. So I'm ready. I'm ready for Miro to be a main event talent like he should be. Yeah. Absolutely. We then have the uh, lumberjack match between Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. Talk about another just hard hitting match oh, and, from uh, start to finish. I'm not a huge lumberjack match guy because I always no. know the the two lumberjack sides are just getting up fighting. They really started right when the match began. Um, there was a lot of back and forth action. Uh, a tag team that if you don't watch AW Dark, you're probably not familiar with. Got involved, Bear Country. Um, they sent Blade through a table after he set up in the corner, which I laughed that the referee goes and takes away the baby face, but has no problem with Blade setting up the table. The AEW officials sometimes get on my nerves. But uh, Archer hits a full Nelson slam. There's multiple clotheslines. Kingston turns the tide uh, for a two count. Archer then gets back into the match and is eventually able to hit the blackout for the one, two, three. Yeah, uh, you know, that match was back and forth a lot more than I was anticipating it to be, um, especially for match number two between these two. I figured Lance was going to come out, dominate him, and that was going to be that. Um, I was really excited to see Lance win this because now we're ready for the rubber match. And hopefully we get that at Revolution. Uh, You and I talked, even if it's the kickoff match. I would be excited to see these two one more time on a pay-per-view. Well, it'll be interesting, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, though. Lance is in the Dynamite main event next week, so all of a sudden he's starting to find himself back into the main event storylines, which I'm really happy for him because it's taken a while after he lost in the TNT championship match to Cody at um, at All Out. 
Yeah, um, I don't know what has been the hesitation. Or double on nothing, using... excuse me. Not all out, double or nothing. <laughs> I don't know what has been the hesitation with using an archer, but it seems like they're just they're hesitant on pushing him to where they know he can be. I think they're getting closer, thankfully, but yeah. it's been taking a little while. Uh, we think in a backstage segment, we see FTR, and they can't believe Juggle Boy went to Tony Khan and complained <laughs> and got them suspended. Tully Blanchard says everyone is scared of them. So they keep getting banned to keep them away. Tully says, what does it take to get a title match? Because they are number one in the rankings as of yesterday. Uh, Dax Harwood says they aren't bad men, but they think to themselves, what would bad men do? Dax Harwood then yanks over Marco Stunt, who is, uh, has tape on his mouth and he's handcuffed to the chair. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Tully gets up in his face. Kind of creepy little, creepy little backstage moment there between Tully and yeah. Marco. Yeah. Um. All I got to say is FTR. Hashtag FTR. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to get a payoff match between them and the Jurassic Express at Revolution. And I forgot to mention, during the Tag Team Battle Royal, uh, Luchasaurus does not have horns on his mask, so they didn't regrow. Yeah, and it was weird. Yeah, it, it was weird it to see the mask without the horns. So yep. it it almost looked creepy, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes to get those back on there because it did not look right. No. We then get a card for next week's Dynamite. Uh, TNT champion Darby Allen will be defending against Joey Janela, who will be joined by Sonny Kiss. Uh, Chris Jericho and MJF with Wardlow will be against the Acclaimed because the Acclaimed got MJF out. Um, and uh, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson of the Nightmare Family with Arn Anderson is going to be against Pretty Peter Avalon and uh, Cesar Bonani, I believe. Bononi is how he pronounced. That's been a dark rivalry between Peter and Lee Johnson and Caesar got involved the last couple of weeks. So, Yeah, throwing Cody into it makes you want to kind of just wonder what's coming. I mean, Cody and Peter had a pretty good one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, are they trying to build something else? Are they trying to get Peter into another tag team since the librarians kind of fell apart all the way around? I, I think it's more of a push for Lee Johnson. He's part of Nightmare Family. I think oh, he's yeah. potential. I think they're just trying to get him kind of on the big stage a little bit. So, Yeah, although I'm, I still wouldn't mind seeing a feud break out between Cody and Peter somehow. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. And uh wouldn't be surprised if Jade Cargill interrupts it, but somehow. Yeah. Then we get backstage uh, promo of Joe Janela saying that he and Darby have a long history of mangling themselves in the ring, mangling themselves against each other. But next week, the stakes have been never been hot, so high for Janela. He says that he's back, and the future TNT champion is going to be a bad, bad boy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a nice little segment delivered by Joey. Uh, I wasn't expecting it, uh, so it was it was nice. I mean, Joey's kind of grown on uh, a microphone as he's been in AEW a little bit longer. He just always gets these random main events and random title shots, and it just kind of comes out of the blue, but it's, it's usually when they need a, a title holder to beat up on somebody, quite frankly. And Colin Janela, he can take punishment. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, it's always funny because it's like Joey just disappears because he keeps giving trouble on Twitter for things he tweets. So it's like, you know, fine, here, here, here's your punishment. Take on this guy now. We're going to say it's for a title shot, but, you know. I, I did enjoy, uh, I think it was his Instagram post, maybe his Twitter post, uh, Jungle Boy took a picture of Janela watching the wedding between Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, who Joey Janela dated on and off for about four years. So. Yeah, I mean that was that was a feud they started, and then it just kind of fizzled out pretty quickly between Kip and uh, Joey, because you know Joey and Penelope hadn't been broke up very long before Kip and Penelope got together. It kind of uh, upset Joey, so to see him have a feud over it was interesting to see, um, but nothing really ever came of it. And I was surprised that Joey wasn't at the wedding somehow, honestly. Yeah, I think, I don't know if he's still in the relationship. He was dating a girl in NXT for a while. I yeah, don't know if I, he still is. Uh, I cannot tell you off the top of my head, but I did see that um, where they were dating. But yeah, I mean, you can clearly tell he's not over Penelope. Can you blame him? <laughs> right. We then get the main event, uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers against Pac, Ray Phoenix, and John Moxley. Notice right away that Kenny and the Good Brothers came out to the same theme music, but it's new theme music. I'm really hoping they drop that because I couldn't hear it fully with the crowd, but it sounded like a kind of a different variation of the Bullet Club thing because so, you yeah. can hear Gallo say his name and everything in the background. So I want to hear it in full and see what it sounds like. Well, uh, maybe maybe we do some research and we can find it. I'm sure by now it's somewhere on YouTube. Probably. Without the crowd or the full thing supposed to somewhere. So, But, uh, yeah, this was an interesting start to what was going to be an absolutely fantastic match. It was a fantastic main event. A um, lot of action. I mean, this is just six great in-ring talents together going at it. Uh, Gallows, towards the end of the match, Gallows drops pack. And then, uh, then Omega with a big elbow splash in the corner. Uh, they hit a triple neck breaker on Pack for the cover. It's broken up by Mox. Uh, Omega hits a Liger Bomb for a two count. He then hits a V-trigger v on Pack, goes for the one-wing angel, but Pack gets out of it. Omega gets shoved into the corner. Ray Phoenix comes in with a spinning kick. Moxley hits a clothesline and then a German suplex on Omega. Pack hits a deadlift German suplex with a bridge for a two count. Moxley's now in the arena alone with Omega. Moxley keeps Carl Anderson off the apron. Omega and Moxley throw some shots in the ring. Uh, Moxley hits a lariat, um, but then is kicked away. But then he hits it on the second attempt. Uh, Gallows then hits a pump kick. Phoenix drops him with the drop kick. And then a hook kick to Anderson, which is a nasty kick. Then he hits a flipping senton on Anderson out on the floor. Uh, I, I believe he actually went in the crowd again. Uh, he is so fast on his dives, it scares me every time. Uh, Omega then hits a paradigm shift on Moxley, but Peck hits a 450 splash on both guys to break up the cover. Um, then Ander then a gun a gun stun on An on Anderson is hit by Moxley. Uh, Phoenix. Uh, with a set-up moonsault on Anderson for a two-count. Phoenix looks to fly, but he eats a spine buster by Carl Anderson. Then he takes a magic killer. Omega then hits the V-trigger on Pack as Gallows gets the one, two, three on Ray Phoenix. So your winners are Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. 
And to not pin Mox was the best thing, in my opinion. You know, of the three that could have taken a pin, having Ray take the pin was personally the best option, in my opinion. You're still trying to make Pac look strong in his return. Ray really hasn't gone anywhere here recently. Um, he's not too much of a singles competitor and really had no true connection to these other two guys. So to have him take the pin was definitely the way to go. I'd argue though, he's kind of starting to break out in singles a little bit. I mean, he is a, I think he's the he best is. high flyer in all of professional wrestling. I thought he was kind of, I kind of I thought he stole the show in the main event, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, this was 20 plus minutes of nonstop action and I, Ray has started to come into his own, like you said, um, as a singles competitor, I wouldn't mind seeing him in true one-on-one -on -one competition where he can truly perform without Pac or his brother being present. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with him. That's that's for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I could I enjoy watching him about as much as anybody in AEW. I could watch Ray Phoenix matches all day and never get never get bored. I just love that high flyer uh, mentality and how athletic he is. But uh, the post-match is what? The whole wrestling world was talking about last night and is still yes, talking about were. today. Uh, you see the group stomping away on Ray Phoenix. Yeah. Moxley gets involved, but he's dropped in Lance Archer's music hits, which really caught me off guard. Right. He, he clears out the good brothers. Uh, Moxley and Omega are still in the ring. But from behind, somebody blindsides Moxley and it's Kinta. Yes. This was from New Japan. This was interesting to see. Um, you had kind of hinted that you were predicting him to interfere in the match. So when we got, like I said, I texted you 20 plus minutes of nonstop action. And that's exactly what it was. So to get this post match was perfect because then it doesn't interfere with the match, but it still sets up. And again, it's going to make everybody question is AEW and new Japan trying to work together. Is the forbidden door finally open? You know, I've seen a lot of tweets today that say it is. So, if not, if it's not open, I think it's unlocked. It's uh, definitely unlocked. And uh, if they want to claim it's not, somebody's about to kick that door in. Yeah, Kinta is the number one kinder for Moxley's IWGP US Championship. For those of you who might not be aware, they're going to be fighting at uh, New Japan's New Beginnings here in a couple weeks for that. I presume that Kinta's going to take that belt off Moxley. But Kinta hit the go to sleep yeah. on Moxley. Omega smiled at Kinta as he headed out of the ring. Omega put his foot on Moxley and celebrated as the show came to a close. And then it was an exclusive last night on Twitter and social media, on AEW social media, that Kenny caught up with Kinta was said, hey, I didn't know you were going to show up, but welcome to the America Club and try to give him a too sweet. And he said, my friend, and Kenta said, I'm not your effing friend. I'm here yeah. to beat up John Moxley, pretty much walks away. And I laughed at Kenny. He's like, okay, I, I can handle that. Uh, he calls him his, uh, his brother, Kenta. And he said it's he was proposing to Tony Khan that it was him and Kenta versus Moxley and Archer next week in an unsanctioned lights-out match. Tony Khan approved. So that is our main event yeah. next week at Dynamite. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this. Um, Kenny and Kenta are going to win it. But Moxley's not going to take the pin. I think Archer's got to take it. Yep, he's absolutely got to. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see how they're going to bring Archer into this mix apart from, you know, well, 
he broke up the fight on Dynamite, but he never really hit Kenny. So to throw Archer in was what was interesting to me. Um, I would have felt that it would have been somebody like Pac that they would have chosen over somebody that big. But there again, Archer can take a loss, whereas Pac might not be able to. So interesting, uh, all the possibilities that could happen with a New Japan uh, partnership with AEW. I mean, we saw talents from New Japan last night, NWA, and Impact all on a different program of AEW. Yeah, and, you know, I've seen people on uh, social media today who just aren't having it. They said, you know, if this is AEW, it needs to be AEW. But I I don't agree with that. I think, you know, the, the basis is AEW. But Tony has said from day one, I want to work with anybody in wrestling from any company. It doesn't matter all over the world. I want him to feature be featured here. And we're starting to really see that. Um, and I think this is going to help AEW become more successful in the future. Well, and the thing about Kent is he lives in Orlando. And yes. he's been um, competing in the New Japan's America organization i forget if it's called global or world i think it's global i think it's new japan global i think it's what it's called and that's how him and moxley were able to go against each other and there was agreement between the two that for them to use moxley they had to get some out of kenta kenta so that's where we're kind of seeing this but it'll be interesting maybe maybe jay white pops up in a couple of weeks i don't there's a lot of twitter banner banter going on between, lot, the, yeah. between the new club and the old club so uh Oh, it just gets me excited. I'm all for it. New Japan announced today that they have a deal with Roku on the Roku channel. That's starting a week from today at 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be an hour show every week for the U.S. and Canada fans. So big time deal. Yeah, uh, this is nice. I mean, I, uh, I've i never really gotten a chance to watch New Japan because it's always on channels that I don't ever seem to get. So if you don't catch something on YouTube, I really don't get a chance to see it. So now to be able to sit down and watch an hour-long program on the Roku channel, I'm all for it. Yep, especially if AEW is going to be involved with the partnership. It's just interesting timing that this partnership's happening right now during a pandemic when there's travel restrictions. Because I think if the travel restrictions, once they ease up, we could really, if this is a full-blown partnership, we could really see it take off. And, and I'm wondering... Where's ROH and all this? They're the one organization getting Ooh. no uh, no rub. Yeah, um, I don't know. Book flip. <laughs> yeah, little shout out to BTE there. Um, yeah. I I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know, I don't know but uh, the ratings were out today in AEW with a commanding win last night, eight hundred forty four thousand to NXT six hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, and um, we've talked about it. I think we're about a month out from probably one of their biggest uh, ratings just because Shaq's going to be on there and people who follow Shaq are going to tune in just to see what he can do. NXT even brought in Edge last night and it didn't pop a rating that much. So uh, I'm thinking last week's ratings were so close due to the technical difficulty at the beginning, but I could be wrong. Uh, I've even seen people who commented that uh, so glad they didn't have to switch over to NXT this week because uh, AEW didn't have technical difficulties at the beginning of Dynamite. Yep, yep. So, but that was that was our episode of Dynamite Beach Break. It lived up to the it lived up the hype and probably exceeded it a little bit. So I really enjoyed it. That was a fun yep. show. 
I definitely enjoyed it. I, I look forward to these little shows that they do like this that aren't necessarily pay-per-views, but there's something different from Dynamite. Kind of special event, kind yeah. of. So, uh, Any other closing thoughts? Um, next week's going to be another good one, I'm sure. Uh, I'm very interested to watch the Kenta match. Haven't gotten a chance to see him in action, so this will really uh, be the first time. And I think having Kenta show up the day before the launch of the uh, New Japan on Roku is the smartest thing they did because somebody's going to see him and they're going to go, "Okay, I've never watched New Japan before, but I'm going to go watch it now." Yep, yep. I think I think this partnership could do. Assuming this is a full blown partnership or going right. to evolve into one. It could do great things for both both companies. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it brings for both companies. Me too. Me too. Why don't you wrap us up there, Paul? All righty. Well, uh, for Tanner Lee, I'm Paul Zarbin. Join us again next week as we kick out another podcast.